Welcome to the Action Research Podcast. Somehow, the first podcast dedicated solely to action research. Each episode, action research experts Adam and Joe explore facets of this research methodology. Speaking with experienced and emerging action researchers, they aim to contribute to this important and growing field and understand the nuance and process of action research in action. My name is Adam Stieglitz, PhD candidate at the University of Louisville and also director and co-founder of the Andean Alliance for Sustainable Development, a social change organization in the highlands of Peru. My name is Joe Levitan, an assistant professor and graduate program director at McGill University, as well as the co-founder and co-director of Centro Educativo Payatayu, a community-based learning center in the Peruvian Andes. Today, I am thrilled to introduce a mentor, one of my dissertation supervisors, a great friend, a great colleague, a collaborator on numerous action research and philosophical projects, Dr. Davin Carr-Chillman of the University of Dayton. I have known Davin now for almost 10 years, and one of the coolest introductions that I can do is that Davin is a Renaissance professor, so he is a third generation watchmaker, as well as somebody who has built his own house. So Davin, welcome to the Action Research Podcast. It's great to have you on. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Adam. I just want to say it's a real honor to be here. Uh, The work you are doing with this podcast is powerful and important and incredibly well done. Our EDD program is an action research driven doctoral program here at the University of Dayton. And we advocate for all of our students to become friends of the podcast. It's important enough that it's almost a part of our curriculum. So thank you for your work. The people you've had on here, I can't hold a candle to these people. I'm just hoping to have some kind of contribution that's meaningful in the the context of the great work you've got here. Today, you know, we're doing our classic interview with a scholar practitioner, but there's a slight twist to today because Davin, you decided to choose a different article than one that you've written called Researching Change and Changing the Researcher by Professor Delgado Gaitan from the University of California, Davis. Usually people who come on choose articles that they've written and I thought it was really interesting and I think the reason why you chose that is really compelling. So could you talk a little bit about why you chose this particular article? So one, in general, I try to operate out of a principle of humility. And I think that along those same lines, it's often useful to get at someone's perspective through the ideas of other people as well. So it's a kind of a, an intersubjective approach. You know, the relationship between text, ideas and thinkers, I think can be more interesting when it's someone else. So the Delgado Gaitan article, it's ancient by many of our standards. So it was put out in 1993 and it's not even necessarily about action research. I mean, she doesn't refer to herself as an action researcher, calls herself a you know critical ethnographer. Ostensibly, why is this relevant to action research? But as you read it, you really get a sense that she evolved into an action researcher through the project that she was doing. And I think that one, it mirrors a bit of my own experience in terms of research. So I never really thought of myself as an action researcher until you realize in the process of doing research that you didn't think was action research, that in fact, you're being driven by the values of action research. What is it that makes action research important and useful and empowering to the researcher and and the researched or the participants? And it's the values behind it. 
And it also connects, I think, to action research really as a way of life. I don't know how many folks often talk about it or think about it that way, but action research as an interface with the world on a daily basis that happens not just in the context of research projects, but in the context of driving down the road, of preparing breakfast, of eating dinner and being with your family. What does it mean you know, for action research to be a, a way of life? So I think Delgado Gaitan, this article opens all those doors. It just presents so many opportunities to think broadly about what action research is and what it can do for us. So it's essential reading. I'd like to build off of the article a little bit through our lightning round, which you're familiar with. It's time for a lightning round. Adam and Joe have prepared some key questions for our guest. The challenge is to answer them in the shortest amount of time. All right, let's do it. So in the article, uh, Delgado Gaetan talks a lot about herself and her role as a researcher and the relationships that she created intentionally or unintentionally throughout a particular investigation. So my first question is, how would you describe positionality or researcher positionality within the action research realm? Well, I think it's relevant, not just in in AR, the interface of the researcher's identity and the research context. Great. What role would you say trust has within action research from a researcher's lens? Directly relevant to the idea of positionality. So I think within the context of AR, trust is about negotiating that insider-outsider role. So the, the identity of the researcher as both insider and outsider and how you break through that line uh, to break up the dualism between insider and outsider to become changed. Delgado Gaetan referenced this idea of transformation in, in the article. So let's stick with that. Within action research, how do you view this idea of transformation? That's a big one. When a researcher enters the context of a research project, there's no way to not be an outsider. And it's through the process of self-reflection, relationship building, amplifying voices, working developmentally, thinking of your project as a developmental process and not just what are the answers. Transformation happens, the researcher becomes part of the research. That was an amazing answer to a really tough question. And I'm gonna follow it up with one last one. Could you address this idea of empowerment? within action research? I generally don't like the word. It's overused and becomes a little deflated as a result. And I also think that it's very presumptuous for a researcher to think that empowerment is even something that he or she can enable or facilitate. I think the best approach is to think about amplifying voices. So as the researcher in an ideal action research process, moves from simply an outsider to breaking up that dualism to becoming part of the research that that process is either going to fall of its own weight i think it's one of the beautiful things of action research if you haven't done it the right way it will fall of its own weight because there won't be trust and hence no empowerment when everything is built well following good action research principles which actually are just good principles for living life well then it works and through no fault of the researcher's own, but in coordination with everyone else, you're stronger together. 
That brings us to the end of the lightning round. One of the things that I found really interesting about this article is this idea of action research as a way of living life and as a way of thinking about transformation and how you think about that facet of action research. The article really deeply engaged in that process of self-transformation through reflection, how to think about relating to other people, how to think about relating to one's research and relating to oneself in order to change and transform the way that the author engaged and thought about herself and her role in, in life and in research. When you mentioned that it's something that you also experienced, so I'm curious about your experiences in that similar vein. Yeah, and I think it's the humility piece to this is deeply relevant. So, you know, something that Delgado Gaitan doesn't talk about, but it bleeds through on almost every page is her deep humility. Just the ability to, to reflect and the way she reflects and the questions that she asks of herself. You can't do that without a deep sense of humility that I don't have all the answers here. And in fact, my ontological and epistemological orientation may be skewed and misrepresenting what it is I'm encountering here in this particular context, which is where she ended up, right? She basically said, I came at this from a completely wrong direction and hence was misunderstanding what this group wanted to do. One example, I was doing an action research project in Idaho, at the University of Idaho for a number of years. And Eastern Idaho has a high Mormon population, Latter-day Saints, and you know, that rather famously don't drink coffee. So I'm in doing data collection as part of this it's a huge action research, school improvement action research project. And I had like this standard kit of Davins on the road doing data collection for this project. I've got donuts, I've got coffee, I've got, you know, food for the whole day. And I'm sitting down and I just can't even, I'm keep trying to give these people coffee. I'm like, there's coffee there, there's coffee there. And <laughs> I obviously hadn't reflected well enough on the context and, and what I was doing, how dumb and what better way to ruin trust, right? In, in that instance, these people are like, geez, clearly an outsider, right? Clearly not someone who's thinking really, you know, clearly about this. So I tried as best I could to, once I realized what I was doing, uh, to build trust by being vulnerable and, you know, telling them how stupid I was and apologizing. But, you know, that's an example talking about trust and the relationship building and insider outsider positionality in terms of action research. I have a follow-up question, if you don't mind. My question is looking back on it, that coffee incident, to what extent did that mistake, if you want to call it, have an effect on the outcome? of the project itself. Like, would you look back on that as being a critical moment? So that particular district became one of our strongest partners. And I, I don't think that there was a relationship to my error. I don't know if there was or not, but it did not seem to impact ultimately the effectiveness of our work with that particular district. And the, the leadership of that district, you know, just played a tremendous insider role. You know, that project was really pretty interesting in that respect. In fact, I would say that as researchers, we never effectively transformed from outsiders to insiders, but we relied on relationships with stakeholders and thought leaders within those communities to help bridge that gap. So the, the dualism remained um, throughout that project, but you know, pragmatically trying to get it done, we built good relationships with stakeholders and thought leaders inside. Here's why I asked that question. 
So this idea of insider outsider, right? I want to kind of break that down a little bit and look at it from a few different angles, because on one hand, I think it's important to acknowledge. And I think it embodies a degree of reality and pragmatism and humility. Something that I've been pondering lately, and I'm curious to hear what you think, has to do with the extent to which it creates unnecessary barriers to an endeavor. So while on one hand, you're acknowledging your positionality, on the other hand, there's something to be said about working together with a group or a community or whoever it might be and acknowledging your differences, however they might be, but highlighting what you have in common, which is working together to achieve some sort of goal. There was a quote where Dr. Delgado Gaetan said, sharing the same ethnic background does not make a researcher necessarily more knowledgeable about the meanings of participants' feelings, values, and practices. So I'm curious, given the inherent critical nature of action research, which oftentimes I agree with, and I think it's completely necessary, if it can extend too far, you know, and we can be too hard on ourselves as researchers and doing so create limitations to the work that we're doing. Yeah, and what a wonderfully subtle and complex perspective that Delgado Gaitan gave us there when, you know, she talked about how sharing ethnicity didn't for her make her an insider, but she had to learn that by going in with the assumption that she was an insider, but wait, learns, in fact, that she's got more work to do there. So I'm a fan of denying the dichotomy, right? And, and usually I say, when somebody gives you a, a dichotomous perspective, usually they're trying to manipulate you, right? So either or, right? That misrepresents reality in almost every situation. So deny the dichotomy. Insider outsider is, it's an oversimplification, but I think it's, I see it as an important element to understanding the work that needs to be done for good action research to happen. And I would worry about someone coming in to a situation and, and, and assuming that, okay, well, we can just be relational and overcome those barriers without really reflecting and identifying what those barriers might be. So I like the dichotomy, insider-outsider, primarily because it creates an awareness of something that otherwise we might want to ignore. I'm a really optimistic person, so I, I tend to have rose-colored glasses, and it would be really easy for me to, to go into situations and think, ah, you know, I'm just gonna be charming and nice to everybody, so they're gonna like me and tell me good stuff that's gonna help the project. If I approach it recognizing that I'm an outsider and I've got work to do to build relationships to help break down that insider-outsider split. So I guess what I'm saying is I really agree with you. I see that distinction between insider-outsider as preparation. Building off of that and having it come full circle with your example, the coffee, you know, thinking about the insider-outsider dichotomy is a starting point for transformation because transformation is a personal thing, but it also happens within relationships. It's an interpersonal thing, intersubjective. And the transformation of, like you said, recognizing like the humility and the work that needs to be done is a way of building relational dynamics that are positive and constructive and honest. One of the things that is really important about this conversation that we're having is that level of recognition of these questions for self-reflection and these questions for interpersonal reflection when coming into a space. 
The powerful thing about action research and its iterative cycles is that those iterative cycles can be like a large iterative cycle in terms of the process of transformation in terms of organizations and communities, but also on the personal level. It's like many iterative cycles, it's like I'm reflecting on what's going on. Oh, wait, I realized and I learned something in that moment. The people I'm working with don't drink coffee and I completely blanked on that. So I'm going to iterate and I'm going to do better next time. And I think that that shows the value of action research. Building off of the conversation, you talked about this dichotomy as a starting point of outsider-insider. What are some of the things that you have found helpful to deny or transform that dichotomy into something that's more relational, more nuanced, more multifaceted? So I think this is a very personal thing. Different people will find that different things work for them here. So I am a deep introvert, and that is a part of any kind of interaction, especially with an action research project. It is a very reflective process. So for me, writing, just objectifying your ideas on paper, thinking out as you're writing, what happened, what's going on, who's important here, what happened today, what, what am I learning? Why am I learning it? What does it mean? Why does it matter? That kind of thing. The writing always matters. As a researcher, it's easy to schedule appointments, ask questions, but it isn't as easy to go in and help them sweep the floor and really do the things that you have to do to try to build relationships and build trust. Trust is built when you eat with people. Trust is built when you demonstrate care for people. Trust is built when you sacrifice for people and you're vulnerable with people. And for me, what comes to my mind right now is is getting in and doing the work of the community that you're with, whatever work it is that they do. Kind of building off that, a question that I often get, kind of like at the very inception of some sort of intervention or action research project, right? Because we often talk about building trust and we talk about building relationships or identifying and addressing community challenges. If you don't mind, can you give a little more context of some of these ideas that you're talking about from a practical lens and talk about like the initial steps that it takes that leads into the trust and relationship building process? Yeah, great question. If you're coming at an action research project as someone who is not part of the community, but maybe the community has reached out to you and they said, hey, we've got you know, a particular problem or practice here that's going on. We think you might be able to help us. So practical steps that you can have to be an effective researcher there are partnering with thought leaders in a particular organization and building that relationship. Who are the key people with whom you need to build a relationship and what are ways to build that relationship? So we can all think of good ways of doing that. That initial step of identifying the right leader in an organization or the right group of leaders in an organization is key and is a bit of clandestine work. You've got to learn about the organization and and find out who's going to be able to help me help them. Yeah, it does. Totally. And and I like to build off it, too, because it's kind of starting to connect to some of the findings that are emerging through my research. And I'm curious to hear what you think about the following as well, because sometimes we live in our own little world. And even if that is the situation where community or connection between someone who considers themselves as a researcher or some sort of community practitioner in a community, and there's a challenge being addressed, let's say, but you know, I think we'd be remiss to conclude that that's the first time that this challenge has been acknowledged. And there's a lot of other stakeholders involved besides those in the community. So one of the things that I'm realizing is like, essentially doing some due diligence talking to other stakeholders in the community, but outside of it as well, such as 
other local organizations or municipal representatives to kind of get the ball rolling in which direction you should be heading in and really getting an understanding of the background and context. You know, there's a lot of information out there that you can prepare yourself with before moving forward with any sort of action-oriented approach to working or partner with a community is, is certainly worthwhile. That's a good action research principle, <laughs> due diligence, you know? So what is the, the systemic relationships that surround the problem you're working to solve in your action research? And obviously the boundaries are fluid to what's inside that organization and what's outside that organization. Building off of that, Something that I've been playing with as an idea or something that I've been trying to understand in terms of analysis is, is like the ecology of those relationships. Ecology is less binary, it's more interactive, intersecting, and, and fluid. For me, it's been particularly useful when we're talking about those systems, systems that go beyond the particular group or community that influence that group and community. I've found in, in my own process of transformation is like, how do I contribute in a way that is helpful, socially just and useful? And to be able to do that, to learn how to do that requires a lot of feedback, a lot of transformation, a lot of reflection. When we're talking about positionality, our positionality just as people in universities in whatever position we are in universities allows us to have some access to perspectives and ideas that we can share, not as in positions, but as ideas to be considered. I mean, I find that when I have talked with, you know, my colleagues and friends in Peru, the idea of expanding the issue that has been identified into this analysis of ecology has actually gone pretty well. And it's like opened up new possibilities and new doors with the community. Of course, translating it is a thing that needs to happen in terms of being culturally responsive and understanding how the different epistemologies, different ontologies function within that relational space. But I do think that we're diving into the complexity and like action research is a very complex paradigm because we have to consider all of these different relationships and dynamics, I think. And that's what allows us to see where the levers of change are. Yeah, you know, we like to think about research as data driven, but action research is about people. You know, people are the data. But that's not very action research value focused, right? But action research is about people. It's not just about the data. But as researchers, boy, that, that's tough. We're trained in paradigms that don't acknowledge that. But thank God for action research paradigm, which does. Yeah. And, you know, like it's funny research data has become like numbers on a page, just frozen pieces of information. We need the information and information is another word for data. And, you know, we need data on the situation. We need data on, you know, how the situation affects people, those facts of life that are affecting people. It's living data. And having living data is personal, is the people, and it's the life of it. And I think that there's like that subtle difference between action research and, you know, more positivistic, versions, even though action research is not anti-positivist, it is positivist in life instead of positivist in that, you know, ivory tower way, I think. And I think that's a subtle difference that's important to recognize. People are not data. And data is also important. So those are those things that are the subtleties that are really important to tease out within, you know, thinking about values in action research. I guess given these like kind of overarching theories, especially about, I suppose, like how we're looking at data. I mean, I guess this question is um, directed at Devin. As far as what you've got going on in the field and, and, and research as it relates to some of these ideas that we're talking about. So I can speak to, to something that, that we do here at Dayton 
that I think is, it, it isn't new. It's a quality of our program that helps address some of these issues that we've been talking about. So our EDD students come in and their dissertation needs to be driven by an organization that they are already part of. They are, by the very nature of it, already having relationships. They're already doing the work. They're already doing due diligence. They know the context. On the other hand, in some ways, I feel like that doesn't give them the best bird's eye view of action research and, and the challenges that come with when you are someone who has these skills and organizations want to use those skills, you're going to come in as an outsider. So then how do you do that? How do you make that work? I think it's a really interesting model. I think it's fascinating. And I always kind of wonder what's the alternative to that, right? If you're not already kind of and to some extent insider, you could be an insider outsider, right? But you've built that context. You have those relationships in front of you. You know, if some of these like important core characteristics of action research aren't already there, right? And you're in a position where you're thinking to yourself, how do I create this using action research as a tool, advancing whatever it is that you're doing or address those challenges? It's a complex endeavor, like you were saying, Joel, you know, so just, you know, you're listening to this or if you're a student, you're like, hmm, I think action research is for me. Well, now what? You know, where do I begin? Who do I meet? Where do I go? What am I doing? What's the challenge? Do you think that that alternative approach does make sense? One thought that I had there is part of my background is as a religious professional. So I was a, a pastor for a number of years. And in a lot of ways, the role of a pastor in a Christian congregation is an action researcher. Um, in my tradition and in a, a lot of Christian traditions, you're hiring somebody from the outside to come in. And it's deeply personal stuff. People trust you with their children. People trust you with their marriages. People trust you with their dying relatives. So you are automatically on day one, boots on the ground, engaging people in the most deeply personal aspects of their lives. And yet you are an outsider and you have been forced by a contract you signed to be an insider. So that negotiation for that pastor, for that, the minister, it, it deeply shaped me, I think, the way I understand action research. So how do I get to know what's really going on in this organization? Who is going to be a good emissary for me? Who are the thought leaders in the organization that can open doors? How do I build trust with these people? So that really, a lot of that is reflected, I think, in my approach to, you know, as you characterized it, Adam, as this can you really do action research in an organization with which you are not already a part or a member? And I think you can. It just takes a lot of work and a lot of time. Adam, how I interpreted your question was in terms of breaking into action research as like a thing, you know, for a doctoral student or, you know, for a practitioner who's wanting to engage in research. We have people coming from different positionalities, even within the spectrum of practitioner and researcher, right? And I think that that's important because in some respects, the idea of action research from a practitioner standpoint is learning some of the paradigms and some of the approaches and dispositions and reflective capacities. And also some of those kind of more hard-nosed, you know, here are, you know, methods and methodologies and understanding that because you need to have that skill set as well. And those relationships already exist. And then as a doctoral student, as a PhD student, or as an EDD student who's thinking about, you know, why am I doing this degree? And I have a particular motivation to do research. If you're in education, generally speaking, you have a motivation to do something to improve 
somebody's uh, life in some way. The thing that is important about thinking through what happens when you're an absolute outsider coming in, like what Davin was talking about, is that the first thing you do is you start to build relationships. If you are a you know doctoral student who is looking how to transform schools, because transforming schools is really important, as we know it is, how do you build those relationships and how do you start to find your way through this maze of relationships? I also would argue that quote unquote hard no silence also needs those relationships to be built for you to get access to being able to do those that quote unquote hard no science. You identify a supervisor, you hope that they accept you, you build a relationship with that person, they recommend you to other people. That gives you another job to do those things. I think that the distinction between building relationships and doing research is not one that actually exists in the real world for almost any discipline. I don't want to make an overarching generalization about any discipline, but I think almost any discipline requires relationships. Action research just identifies that explicitly and shows how important that is to actually doing good work well. So, you know, if you're a PhD student, that means you already have a relationship with a network of scholars who may be able to, you know, introduce you to other folks who might be doing work that is relevant to your particular dispositions and skills and knowledge background. So the breaking into it is hard, but it's hard no matter what you do. You know, if you're an anthropologist or an ethnographer or a sociologist, you need those relationships. But even then, to get that published, you're going to need a relationship with somebody who can guide you through their process. The thing about action research is just making explicit the role of relationships as necessary to any endeavor that we undertake because we exist in relation. And as much as some paradigms try to isolate us and create atomistic versions of who humans are, that is not empirical reality. And so as a PhD student, my advice is meet people, talk about who you are, reflect on who you are, be humble, and things will start to happen because if you express what you're interested in, in a way that's not pushing on people and that has competence behind it because you've been doing your research, you've been doing the work, you've been doing the reflection, things will start to come. It's not guaranteed. There's a lot of uncertainty, but that's life. Anyway, there's my soapbox. I agree with every single thing you just said there. One of the things that Adam and I have been thinking about and Chicken and Vanessa have been thinking about too, is just like, you know, who is this for and, and, and how is this useful, right? How is this a contribution? But if you have any advice or tips for folks who are listening to this podcast, who might be students, who might be practitioners, so I think about this example I'm gonna give a lot. So as academics, as scholars, people who explore ideas, explore the world, break it down in ways to reinterpret it or, or look at the world different ways in new ways, there is a really strong criticism of the work that we do. And maybe this relates to some of the day-to-day the -day work of the podcast here as well, where you feel like you're doing a lot of work to shoot something off into the ether that's never heard from again. There's a lot of criticism of academia that, okay, we, we just write articles for each other, you know? So you wrote four articles last year and it goes in this journal and that journal, 10 people read it, one person cited it. And that's just a waste of everybody's time. That's just professors talking to professors. That's one way to think of that. By analogy, the work of a grad student, learning how to do these research you know, methods, learning how to explore the world. An alternative perspective on that is how do you end up publishing an article that impacts thousands of people? How do you publish an article that hundreds and thousands of people read and it's cited a thousand times? The best way to do that is to start building on the shoulders of other less meaningful or impactful things that you've written. An impactful article or an impactful piece of research doesn't just come out of nothing, right? It has to build on something. So I disagree 
to the core of my being with the idea that, you know, we're just professors talking to professors. And therefore, we always have to have and shoot for an article or an intellectual product that is going to just have this tremendous impact. You know, that's a heavy weight to put on yourself. And in fact, it's impossible. I think that you can't get there unless you are building incrementally on ideas, have small ideas, more small ideas build into bigger ideas and impact contribution happens that way. Don't ever give in to, to the folks who look at what we do maybe as not meaningful because it isn't changing the world instantaneously because change doesn't happen that way. I think that that last piece of advice is a really great mic drop moment. This was a really great conversation. Thank you for coming on. It's, it's given me a lot to think about. It's an honor to be here. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and it's a great company to be in. So thank you. How have you found yourself in the world of action research? Want to be interviewed or share one of your projects? Engage in interactive dialogue with Joe, Adam, and other experts and listeners in the community on Twitter at the underscore AR pod or the action research podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on most major podcast distribution platforms, including Spotify and Apple podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the action research podcast created by Adam Stieglitz, Joe Levitan, Shikha DeWalker, and Vanessa Gold. See you next time.